You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. On today's show, we will talk about some games played, followed by some games that we're looking forward to, and we will do a top three on gimmick games that actually work. And we are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I'm Christo. I'm Justine. And this is episode number 20. We've made it to 20. So we're officially a podcast now, right? We weren't before, if you guys didn't know um, that. Yeah, if that's how it works. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, technically 22 for us, because we trashed the first two episodes on purpose. And I think if it was up to well, Matt, we, we would have trashed the first five. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Which, we have the two specials, right? So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, you know yeah, I was thinking. I'm just happy that you guys are keeping up in these times because it's a little bit different and tougher. So yeah, yeah. We should say to people listening, uh, especially if you're listening to the future, we're still recording remotely. We're still social distancing, so the quality might not be as good as the other ones. So bear with us. You know, I was thinking if we were doing this podcast 20 years ago which I don't know if there was podcasting 20 years ago. Probably not. But would we be able to do it in the format that we do it in with the category of being board games 20 years ago? I think it'd be a lot more difficult, uh, maybe with phone lines. I think it was popular to do it, uh, to, to, to kind of have voice conferencing over phone, phone lines at, at that time. Uh, as far as equipment, though, things have gotten a lot better and a lot easier with computers and the Internet. Uh, that Without that, it'd be really difficult. Yeah, and I was even thinking of just the, the state of, of board games in general. Like Yeah. Like we have a, a slew of games always coming out, so we could do top threes consistently and like games that we've played that we haven't talked about yet and games that we're looking forward to 20 years ago, like in the year 2000, like how many games were coming out every year, you know? Yeah, it's, it's definitely unique to today how many games are coming out and how quickly the word spreads about them as well. Yeah, we could do the same exact top three list like two years from now, and they could always like be different, right? Yep. So we're co- oh, consistently they're different, like a week later. Yeah, yeah, we're consistently getting introduced to new games. Yeah. Uh, speaking of games, we have played some, maybe not as many as we normally do, <laughs> but okay. Um, I'll talk about some games that I played first, and when I mean games, I don't mean to pluralize because I'm talking about one. And that is Marvel Crisis Protocol, a miniature, tabletop miniature game. Um, I talked about it last week, how I finally pulled the trigger on this. And it's a true miniature game where, you know, these miniatures come on sprues and you cut them out and you glue them together and you build them and you uh, paint them. And then you play on a surface, not on a, on a board. So I got this the last time we were recording, which was two weeks ago. I started on it the following Tuesday because I needed some uh, hobby clippers and some glue that I didn't have lying around. And I built the entire base game in a night. Built it. Like cut them out and glued them together. Took me all day, kind of all night. And I started building the terrain, which was really simple. Then I got to the characters and tragedy struck. Oh my gosh, was I terrible at this. I was building Captain Marvel and... 
the way the pieces are is there's little grooves that you have to find the right angle for them to to go in and then you put the glue on them now i was just overly confident and gluing and going i could figure this out this is an arm that goes on a torso and if you don't get it just right you see this glue will melt the plastic which is a good thing if you get it right because it kind of welds it together and it makes it all one piece but if you yep. don't get it right the little grooves disappear i was gonna say i used to put model airplanes together and uh it's maybe it has acetone or something but that's how i used to glue them so the glue was just literally melting the plastic together so i understand yeah so if you don't do it correctly man it could be bad news and boy was it so one of her arms is hanging on with just glue on glue like there's <laughs> like she's painted oh, now no. so you can't tell but but <laughs> afterward you could see that there was a thin layer of just clearness because it's glue on glue because I messed up so bad. Um, but I got better at it and I started doing it and it started becoming this almost like this puzzle for me. Maybe that's why you're building the model airplanes. It's kind of a pleasant thing to do, right? Yeah, yeah. It's actually a lot of fun. I It was kind of a weird thing. I did it for a few years growing up and I kind of went away from it. And miniature gaming definitely has that vibe of those like uh, kind of punch out I don't know what they're called, you know, when they come in a frame and you like twist them out of the frame and then you glue them together kind of models. Uh, I used to make some really kind of large ones uh, with just, uh, what are they called? Do they have like a specific name, like punch out plastic models or something? Uh, I don't know. I know or they're called screws, but they're on, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what the models are called, but I kind of get hobby gaming now. Like, like, I don't think I want to do this on a regular basis, but while I was putting together, I was finding a lot of enjoyment in it. And I was like, okay, I get, I get those, those people that are building armies and, and, you know, that's like half the game is, is, um, building and painting and collecting. So I get it. Um, so I said that I wasn't going to get too into this. Like, I, I think the, the base game is just fine, but I bought two expansions anyway. I bought Hulk and I bought oh, Thor, no. the game with Valkyrie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I bought That's a game mat. I know. Uh, I bought a game mat. So, yeah. So I've spent little north of two hundred bucks on this game already. Pretty crazy. Wow. Um, but I so eleven days. It only took me eleven days to build, to primer, to paint, and to put all these things together. And I finally played it last night. Um, I played it twice in a row. So I played it with my uncle-in-law who lives with us, and I played it with my wife. And so. Uh, the game is actually really good. Um, it's better than I expected. So I thought it was going to be just eliminate each other, right? That's one of the winning conditions, but the game is really balanced towards points. There's rounds. So you have six rounds and it has like three phases in each round, which is really just like, um, like a power generating phase, activation phase, which is the main part of the game, and then a cleanup phase, which you just score points. There's tactic cards that you like shuffle together and you pick two different tactic cards, a secure and an extraction. And these tokens are going to be placed out on the, on, on the game area and extraction tokens are going to be, well, what they sound like you'll pick them up. So you'll spend a resource, which is energy to pick them up. And now your that particular character, that hero or villain has that, and it's going to generate points for it, but also maybe do some things to them as well. Um, and then there's secure, which is like an area majority token. So you have to get your characters within an inch of these secure tokens, and you have to have majority 
of healthy characters because you could have an injured or a healthy character and you have to hold tight. So you're kind of like not pick up and delivery with the extraction tokens, more of a pick up and run away because if you get injured, you can drop them. Um, And then the other tokens are like area control and they generate a point for each one that you control. So I like the fact that it's victory based, victory point based. One of, like I said, one of the win conditions is you could eliminate everybody off the board, but that's really hard to do. I would say you're having an easier time scoring points than you are trying to kill everyone off. I found this game to be quite pleasant, especially when they're painted and I have that game mat. I would definitely suggest a game mat. Otherwise, you're just measuring out three feet by three feet and somehow marking borders. And now with Euro games, I'm perfectly fine with something like Castles of Burgundy that's very plain looking. But with a game like this, since there's not a lot to it, you know, your character card is just going to tell you kind of what you can do and measurement sticks are going to tell you how far you can move. Uh, There's not a lot to the game. So really, I want this to be a mindless, fun kind of thing. So I want everything to look very thematic. Now, I played against my uncle-in-law, as I said, and I wonder how many people play is going to play this game like him where he was, you know, taking his time on his turn, reading each character and like really trying to win the game. And it was kind of boring to have to wait that long to take my turn. Played it with my wife who was really fast and we were just going back and forth, back and forth. Not too worried about if we, oh, I missed this superpower on this villain or I didn't do this with him. And we were just kind of like just going at it and that's how I would want to play this game is just mindlessly having fun. I got the Euro games to, for me to get really into the strategy and think and trying to optimize each turn. But with this, I just want to chuck some dice and, and have some battles and secure some spots and, and have fun with it. So I like it, but I wouldn't play it with everybody. And that is Marvel Crisis Protocol. Nice. That sounds like fun. Um, so this week, Matt and I got to go back to one of both of our favorite board games. Um, but I had an interesting experience with it. Um, Matt and I both really enjoy Great Western Trail. It's been probably one of our top board games of all time for a really long time. Um, however, my play style of board games in general is I like to go wide. So I like to experience a lot of different games. I tend not to circle back to a game even if I really like it for a while, whereas Matt will play the same game over and over and over, as we've talked about with Terra Mystica before. Um, So it was kind of interesting to play Great Western Trail with the expansion against him this week because um, he is so much more skilled at these games than I am because he spends so much time playing them. I think he's played it at least five times since I last played with him. It was just a really interesting experience to see someone who knows all the ins and outs of a board game be able to very soundly defeat me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Great Western Trail is a game where you can really kind of get good at and score a lot more points than someone else with not not obvious moves also which is one of the reasons yes. why i haven't played it for a long time because we have a, a um 
in our gaming group, we have about like three or four people that play it consistently. I always, I always was seeing it on come, come on the table, and I always want to play it, but I'm like, I'm just gonna get trashed. Like they play it quite a bit, and if you're not, yeah. and if you're kind of rusty yeah. on the game, like it's not gonna be a good time. I don't think. Yeah, I I'm trying to kind of get there as well. Uh, you can definitely learn how to play by just observing what they do and kind of the combos they pull. There's some things you can do with buildings. It's a very interesting game because you kind of the 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 you can kind of create the boards as you play by placing specific yeah. buildings somewhere, and the combos get really powerful actually in the right circumstances so you have to be really careful to stop things from running away very uh, early on so it's not someone's not exploding by the end of the game so it, it's kind of a learning game and it's very interesting uh with the ways you can go to try to win i guess yeah so if you're playing with some of these experts then you just go in knowing you're going to lose but uh but open your mind yeah. to ob- observing and learning yeah for sure well, and it's it's way neat to get to watch what happens, I think. Like watching Matt put together these combos that end up scoring him a bunch of points is interesting to me. It's interesting to try and pick apart like what he did and what I could have done to stop it. It's just, yeah, it's a different experience than going into play to win, you know? For sure, yeah. And the unique thing about that game is it's such a weird game scoring-wise. It's definite, like in most your games, or actually a lot of your games, it's kind of obvious like where the engine for generating resources is and where the engine to score points is. In Great Western Trail, I think it's kind of all mixed together and also in very strange places like these things like the obstacles for example are a lot of points and there's objectives which are just doing stuff in the game so you can put together a completely different game every time you play which is very interesting in that game and score well um yeah great western trail is definitely one of those games where you can't tell where that inflection point is because you don't know whether you're engine building or points building at any given point in the game to me. Um, I think Matt and Jonathan have both figured out really well how to find that inflection point and how to balance that. I have not. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's uh, kind of what I like about engine building games. More, the more intricate ones, I really have a problem with building this awesome engine and then forgetting to get any points, you know. But yeah. a game like... Um, Gosh, what's that new engine building filler game that we've talked about? Uh, it's a Wonderful World. Yes, It's a Wonderful World. So the first play, I had this great engine that was generating all this stuff, but I didn't have any point cards. But now it, it was very easy, like the second, third game to go, oh, it's really simple to figure out. But um, but yeah, I just uh, for me, I feel like a lot of those engine building games, the more intricate ones, I have a problem with building an awesome engine and not scoring points. Yeah, you have to consciously watch out and make the decision in Great Western and It's a Wonderful World to go for points right, throughout right. the game in various ti- at various times. And that's a very interesting thing in those games because you can build a great like resource or some kind of a card combo engine or whatever and end up with not as many points at the end. Yeah, the good thing to do mm-hmm. is to get those like uh, those points... Um, those point cards like right away then you have a, an objective to hit yeah that's the fascinating about the game though is if you get them you're not getting resources so you have to find the perfect timing or something right right yeah so you have okay. w- as well 
uh, Christo has have gone a little bit out of your wheelhouse, right? Yeah, so the last couple of weeks have been very interesting for me. Someone mentioned Gloomhaven and trying it, uh, I think, exactly two weekends ago uh, on Saturday or something, if I remember correctly. And I initially, I wasn't sure. I was just going to kind of try it for one scenario and a couple or a couple of scenarios and just kind of, I was kind of mostly doing it actually to not be left out mostly of the <laughs> game that people were going to go play and just to kind of try it. Uh, I had previously watched a couple of games and I knew very well what the game was. So I was actually expecting also to not like it as much, I think. Um, all right. So we started playing it and I really got sucked into it. And basically the last two weeks I've played nothing but Gloomhaven. And we've also been playing it actually a lot. It's not that I haven't played board games. We've been playing two scenarios of Gloomhaven almost every day. So we're about 20 scenarios in. <laughs> so, wow. So it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, I've gone a little bit Gloomhaven crazy. Um, <laughs> So I was thinking, would I like it in real life if this wasn't the situation? I think it's just the perfect opportunity for all of us to kind of have an evening escape and kind of play Gloomhaven together. We play on Tabletop Simulator. There's actually an, a really cool mod. Um, I highly recommend. There's several mods out there, and it's not obvious which one is the better one. Actually, initially, we started playing with a different mod, uh, which had some cool scripting but i think this one is like the best one and it completely has that issue that i was having with basically the status effects and the hp bar shown on the miniatures they've coded this bar thing so it almost looks like a computer game when you play it so you don't have to look away from the board um it's called gloomhaven fantasy setup uh, there's just these fantasy setup games that it's not just Gloomhaven. They do a lot of RPG style board games uh, with kind of like Descent and just other ones out there. So Gloomhaven is just one of them. And the, it's these people that create scripts for a lot of the stuff in the game. So it makes the game just like funner and easier to play. Uh, just quality of life stuff like shuffling cards and whatever, you know, so you don't have to do everything manually because there's a lot of steps. So anyway, um, Gloomhaven has taken over my life over the last couple of weeks. And I'll talk about maybe in games looking forward to if that's going to change. But I really like it. Um, so what I like about it, uh, I the the core game is actually kind of the same thing over and over it's uh kind of this skirmish and it's an initiative puzzle really is how i look at it because the cards you play determine the order in which things happen and actually that's i was thinking what what makes this game interesting over a game of just like dust chucking or something or something like zombie side where it's very kind of similar in a way but Gloomhaven, I think the unique thing about it is you play cards and they have initiatives on them and that they're kind of slow or fast and the monsters also have an initiative. So you are kind of committing to do something slowly, which may or may not work out. And it's a, it kind of trickles down into a very interesting puzzle. And I was thinking maybe that's borrowed from war games or... Um, I, I don't know. I don't really remember playing that system with initiatives other than something like maybe Nurushima Hex has this kind of 
uh, go in initiative order. I think it's a wargaming thing. So if that's the case, it might actually be uh, a sign that I might like board uh, war games or something. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, actually, Legends of Andor I think has this initiative thing kind of flowing down through different characters, and it makes for an interesting puzzle, in my opinion. So I like solving that puzzle over and over. Uh, that's a cool thing about the game. The game also has a really kind of addictive sense of progression. It's RPG based, so you level up, and the the more you level up, the better your hit deck uh, gets. So it's almost like deck building. Um, you have this deck where you top deck cards, and initially I thought that was like a not super fun mechanic. But the more your character levels up, the more bad cards you take out of it. So the cards are like minus two, plus two. So they like add to your attack or they subtract from your attack. So the more your character levels up, the more you insert cards that are additional effects or cards that are or take out cards that are bad. So you kind of improve your uh, consistency of hitting stuff. So it's almost like if you have dice, you like remove the ones and then you add a six face with like poison or something on it. So it's a very interesting system. Uh, it makes for a very interesting kind of sense of progression. Also, obviously, you unlock characters, which is the most exciting part about the game. And the characters are fairly unique, which is really well designed, I think. They're not the super i mean they are kind of the fantasy tropes of like uh what is it like warrior barbarian mage uh paladin whatever but the universe that he's created is really cool and very different as well and it all works very well so you unlock new characters it's a lot of fun you actually add slowly these cards that you can play in your hand so you have like a hand hand deck and a hit deck so the hit deck improves your hand deck gets kind of you have more choice and the cards get just more powerful and there's like area effects so it, there's there's an addictive sense of progression actually that that's the summary of what i'm trying to say is you kind of get sucked into oh if i just level up or if i get this new item I'll be better next time, and it's going to make things easier. But also the scenarios ramp up in difficulty. So it's just all this like interplay of just addictive progression, which is really well done. Uh, the story surprised me in the game as well. I thought for most, most games, I just kind of don't care about the story. The story is there, but it's kind of not the draw for me usually. I haven't see, really experienced a strong story in the game, like a very, very well-written story. Uh, the story in Gloomhaven is really good. Uh, it works very well. It's written very well. There's these snippets of basically how it comes across as there's these snippets of story before, during, and after a scenario. So maybe you open a door and like some demon like laughs at you and like why have you come to disturb me or whatever you know like in the middle of the scenario events happen and you kind of pause to read a little story and it all works actually together very well to create the world and the cool thing is we were talking about it yesterday there's no one linear path i think that i can see there's uh there are kind of storylines which feel more main but it's all very kind of spooky like there's no like a main you know how in a lot of games there's like one main story which is kind of on rails and then you branch off to the side scenarios this one is kind of the side scenarios get like five six levels deep and they branch off and merge into the main story so it's really done very well as to kind of obscure what the main thing is 
from what I can gather, we're trying to find more about this gloom overall or whatever, but um, and also influencing the city of Gloomhaven like as we play the game. So things kind of change. But the story is very kind of not linear is what I'm trying to say, which is really cool, I think, and it works uh, well. The scenarios are imaginative. They're not all the same, like kill everything. A lot of them are kill everything, but uh, there was kind of a tower defense scenario. There was a timed scenario with like rushing and just kind of holding in a corner. There was an escort uh, scenario where there's an AI and it's moving towards an exit. So they're very kind of different and cool and that they work. Um, and uh, if you think about if you're thinking about jumping into Gloomhaven, it's actually once you start playing and understanding the game, it's very easy to actually integrate someone into a new uh, party, so you're not stuck together with the same people uh, for the whole time. Someone can actually quit seamlessly, and the others can continue playing, or you can integrate a new person. They have to make a new character, but it's actually pretty quick when you know how to play the game, so they can just jump in and just kind of start playing. Like, you don't have to be there from the beginning. Obviously, you miss out on the story, but um, people can kind of catch you up. I don't think it's as big of a deal. I think if you're interested, you you can play a couple of games and quit with someone who's in the middle of it. Uh, You might have a harder time just because you don't know how to play the game, and it kind of builds on concepts that you learned from earlier on, but it's it's not bad. So those are actually positives about the game. This is almost turning into like a review. I don't know if you guys have any <laughs> comments. I'll, I'll wait till you're finished. I, I have I was some gonna, questions. I was going to say I have some negatives as well. Uh, the negatives are not many, but I've noticed some inconsistency with scenarios being too easy and too difficult. We were talking about that yesterday as well with the group that I play with. Um, they are thematic that way so if you make two i mean four ranged characters they might have a really hard time with a scenario that's a swarm of things and you don't have like area effect attacks and basically it's kind of it it makes the game really cool because there's very unique uh characters you can play and they do unique things but it's a little bit dangerous uh when you build your party makeup or whatever i don't know how to explain uh but you can kind of put yourself in a situation where you just have a harder time with a specific scenario because it expects you to have a certain like some kind of tank character that goes in and like hits people up front so from that perspective and just in general there are some scenarios which are clearly way easier than other scenarios like we were storming this castle yesterday and that was just like a really difficult puzzle as opposed to some scenario we played earlier, which was just a breeze. So I think um, they're kind of... Actually, I think they're designed even by different people. Some of them are designed by Isaac, which is the main designer of the game. There was another guy who designed a few scenarios and they kind of do feel completely, kind of distinctly different. It's the same system, but the scenarios are very different. And I'm not sure I appreciate kind of the jumps and difficulties, they're not super stark, but you can kind of see some scenarios being really easy and some being like really difficult. So not not super consistent. Um, there's a lot of fiddliness, especially in real life. That's something that initially turned me off from the game. Um, you have to look away from the board to track the health of guards and look at their stats. And uh, there's just a lot of looking away from the board, moving pieces around, uh, moving statuses around. 
to me, that's actually saved um, or improved significantly in the mod that we play because you can manage the statuses right on the miniatures and it's really good, I think. Uh, I wish the physical board game was that way as well. I've talked about it previously. Maybe have the statuses floating above people's heads and their health as a clicky base, like uh, uh, what's that called? Some game with barbarians. Uh, Mage Knight. Mage Knight, I think, has clicky bases. So I think they were saving on cost by doing it as a sideboard, um, but I wish they were integrated. Uh, there's AI that you have to run for Gloomhaven, so there's no GM. It's like people are saying it's like RPG without a GM, but you have to run a lot of AI because of that. And there's some really quirky rules, and the AI can be really painful to run in a scenario with a lot of enemies because there's these like rules, and they're not obvious sometimes, and it's just a little weird. Uh, that's the that's kind of a downside. Um, you, we, we have gotten used to it, and I thought we were going to get even more more used to it, but now 20 games in, we're still kind of pausing a lot to think about certain situations and just fiddling with statuses and updating, just kind of updating the board, really. Uh, speaking of fiddliness, uh, another thing that I thought was going to get better, and it did, but it's still kind of a pause, is there's a lot of calculations in the game. And that makes it actually fun for me, more than other dice-chucking games, where it's like, yeah, I roll these dice and I do this damage. Uh, in Gloomhaven, it's kind of like I deal a base attack, and then I add some statuses on it, which might change my attack. Then I add a modifier, which might change my attack. Then I check shields from the enemy which kind of changes the attack and then I change statuses on them which might change the attack. So it's like six, seven levels of adding pluses and minuses and hopefully you get the number right and update the board. So that's kind of the large downside to the game is just running the board and updating numbers and kind of knowing what's happening. Uh, another thing that is kind of a minor thing but there's a lot of unknown outcomes in the game uh, there's these events you can do, and it's not immediately clear. We were trying to actually like lose reputation. We're kind of going the evil way, which is, has been really fun. Uh, we're so there's these events which happen, and we're always choosing the like bad options. Like someone's asking for your help, and you're like, no, I will not help you, or like you go steal from them or something, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Uh, but sometimes you just get punished and that's kind of just unknown. There's also, we were talking about yesterday, when you choose items for a scenario, I think you're kind of not supposed to see the whole thing, which makes it hard to plan. Uh, we were talking about maybe we should be looking at the monsters at least so we can plan because there's items that are like specific to certain situations and you can bring an item which is completely useless if you don't know what you're going into and you're kind of not supposed to know fully what you're going into, I think. The rules are a little bit vague on it, but um, that's it. But overall, very kind of addictive and crazy game uh, it's kind of taken over my life over the couple of, last couple of weeks uh, we've played it a lot in Gloomhaven so is it number one of all time um, yeah if you like that kind of game I still think you or Justine might not be so much into it um, I don't know uh, I think it's it's very immersive it's very cool so I can see how some people are really into it. It's kind of a different game, though. Yeah, so first of all, um, 
I'm glad to finally hear somebody's perspective, uh, somebody like yourself that plays um, more games that I like to play, more Euro games. Because most people that have described it to me has said, it's awesome, you got to try it. And that doesn't give me enough to want to try it, yeah. you know? Uh, so it's good hearing all that. Um, second of all, it sounds a lot like an RPG game, like without the role-playing almost, right? Um, yes, without the role playing uh it's very structured it's basically just like a hex battle system uh the whole board is hexes so it's not like squares uh it i actually haven't played rpgs uh so i don't know what they're really really like i've kind of watched and seen what con uh, what they look like i haven't actually sat sat down and played an rpg with a gm what i like about gloomhaven is the scenarios are very kind of quick and punchy and it's like that's what makes it to me a board game you don't have to sit there for a long time and just kind of have a lot of um I don't know, talk about stuff. You just kind of go in. The objective is clear. You just do the initiative order of uh, playing cards and just hitting stuff. And the scenarios are usually over by about like uh, an hour and a half, two hours-ish time frame. And then you're done. So it's very kind of really well-structured, really punchy to the point, uh, clear objective. And then you kind of read the story outcome and then you go into the next one. So I don't know. Maybe it is like an RPG. I just haven't played any. Yeah. Yeah. I played one for a while and uh, really didn't like it. I didn't like how unstructured it was. I didn't like how op too open it was. And some of the talking, you know, just back and forth and talking to people and trying to figure things out. I know that that's a draw for a lot of people with these RPG games is to use their imagination. I just found it like, too open too free so like this sounds like it improves on the aspects of rpg games that i didn't like now rpgs does have an incentive uh, an initiative an initiative in the and in like and when you when you're about to do battle and this is just my experience in D D fifth edition where everybody rolls for initiative and like then that's placed your initiative is placed like that including like the monsters and such yeah um also like in uh, rpg games like when you're building your party it should be balanced with a bunch of different characters because of certain things that come could come about so it sounds like like that has that aspect to it as well yeah, in Gloomhaven, it doesn't force you to do that, but you kind of should to have an easier time, I think. I think a lot of the scenarios are doable, technically, with uh, really weird party makeup, uh, but you're just going to have a harder time, I think. So I think you're kind of just, in general, encouraged to do something balanced where there's a guy who heals a lot, there's a guy who takes a lot of hits, there's a guy that does a lot of AoE attacks, and there's maybe a ranged character to pick off random people. That's like the classic RPG system. Like I say, the Gloomhaven does not force you to do it. Uh, you can probably should probably choose to do it, though, because of just having an easier time with all kinds of situations. As far as rolling for initiative, what's cool about Gloomhaven is you can talk about initiative and actually not specific numbers, but you can say, I'm going kind of slowly. So it makes kind of talking pre-round very fascinating. Also, the it, like a good board game, it's designed in a fascinating way where the quicker things are usually not heavy attacks. So it's very thematic, right? Like you go quick and you do something quick, but it's not very heavy, but it might be surprising. Mm -hmm. So it's usually the quick things are like heals or like shields or defensive things. 
So there's a lot of like back and forth of, am I going to do a slow, heavy attack? And you can talk about it. It's not random. And the cards are, the numbers are shown on the cards. So there's that, that's one cool thing about the game is that it's actually very not as much randomness. The attack deck is a little bit random, which actually turned me off, like I said at the beginning, but that turns into like a leveling aspect of the game where it improves. Like you can, it's like, like I say, like a die, which goes from one to six to two through eight or something mm-hmm. as you play the game or maybe you remove the ones and twos that's actually what i've done with my character just to reduce randomness he appeals a lot to people who are kind of euro or just board gamers who like consistency i think as opposed to a lot of randomness also we're actually playing a variant which i don't think is popular with people there's these uh cards which cause uh, critical attack, which is, I think, like uh, an insta-kill or something, and there's alternatively a car- card which is a miss in your hit deck. Uh, there's a variant where you can play the crits as plus two, and the misses as minus two, which is what we're doing to reduce the swinginess of things. I think that's not very popular, but with us being kind of coming from a board game background, I think that's actually a really cool thing that he included. This is a variant where it reduces the swinginess and the weirdness of attacks so he's done a lot of things to kind of appeal to calculating people and remove dice from rpg gaming and make it kind of quick i think in summary yeah yeah sounds cool um as far as the story goes do you uh can you manipulate that with choices that you make i mean you said it's non-linear so is that what you mean like you're manipulating the story so different decisions that you make will will branch you off in different directions yeah, you can actually connect. So it's all about basically you start in Gloomhaven and there's just a map of tracking what you have available to you as quests, which basically are just a skirmish. Every quest is a skirmish or whatever and on the board. Uh, so you start with only a few exposed and then you go to one and it might let you do other things or they just like thematically some characters like, oh, you should go see this guy in the whatever forest or there's some weird cultist holed up in this temple and you should go investigate to get some artifact or whatever. So you just unlock different locations and uh, you do kind of influence the story, but it's not like you're going to influence the makeup of a scenario. What you're influencing is you might disable something by having a choice. So, for example, we had a choice of like helping or uh, the hurting this kind of monster. I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's basically like you go somewhere and some monster is like, oh, you can help me or you can just attack me right now. Haha, <laughs> it's funny, right? And then you can just attack the monster, which disables the other scenario, so you're never going to be able to do it. Or you can help the monster and uh, see what happens then and just go do the scenario. So it just kind of like opens up and disables scenarios. And the opening up and disabling is very interwoven, so you can come to a scenario with multiple paths i think in some ways and if you disable something you're just just disabled and you can just never do it so that actually encourages you to play the game multiple times and choose different things i think yeah yeah and they have the removable stickers uh, that you can buy yes to, yeah. to be able the, to do yeah, that uh, one someone in our group is actually the, oh, the funny thing is he's updating his physical game in hopes that once this is over we're gonna go play the physical game so he's like keeping up with the uh, what's happening in the mod and yes he has the removable stickers exactly for that reason because you can replay the game making different choices and we can even play scenarios which we haven't played before just because we chose the other one wait so you guys if you go back to this uh, physically he's keeping his physical copy up to date so you can do so 
yeah it's pretty crazy yeah. I don't know. it's kind of a commitment he's putting stickers on things as we're doing them online so it's, oh wow it's interesting and opening yeah. up boxes too right because you open up yeah, boxes yeah, yeah. Uh, the opening the boxes is actually reversible what's really reversible is these stickers on cards so you can make your cards better basically your attacks on cards better like the plus one or whatever uh, you can add statuses to them or modify them and those stickers are very permanent actually the way it works is if someone makes a character, because you can make the same character over and over, and multiple pe people can play it, obviously. Uh, if you make a new character, it just starts with those cards. So it's like very permanent in your box. Your box is kind of unique that way, in which the cards have been upgraded maybe differently, because you just can't remove those stickers. You can remove the board stickers and redo the story, but you can just not remove the card stickers. They're very set. I see. Uh, yeah, good insight to that game. I don't know if I'll ever play it, but you've encouraged me not to be so negative about it. I think that's yeah, yeah. No, I, I was actually pleasantly surprised overall by it. I didn't think I was going to like the story that much. I didn't think I was going to like the game that much. And actually both have turned out to be really good, surprisingly to me. So I'm enjoying it. What do you think, Justine? Are you inspired to play this now? Uh, so I got my start i've not done like tabletop rpgs before but like i grew up playing like world of warcraft mm -hmm. so like the whole rpg storyline appeals to me i just it's the same thing with king's dilemma i don't know that i can um commit myself to playing a game that long right you were just talking about how you like to yeah. uh consistently try new stuff right Exactly. Yeah. I like to try new things and play new things. Um, it's the same problem I have with Pandemic Legacy. Matt and I got to like November of the first season and then quit because I just, I don't know, <laughs> I can't commit yeah. to playing a game that long. No, what's right. interesting with Gloomhaven for me as far as that goes is I agree with King's Dilemma. It's kind of like, eh, do I really want to play this over and over or not? And I felt kind of that way a lot about a lot of campaign games. For Gloomhaven, it really just kind of sucked me in. So I'm actually looking forward to seeing what happens next, which I think speaks very highly of just the world building and the sense of progression that you get from the game. So it's not like a chore or something where it's like, oh, I have to play again. It's almost like I'm looking forward to what happens next in the story and just kind of slowly upgrading my character. Yeah, Gloomhaven seems a lot more immersive than something like King's Dilemma, right? Yeah. Uh, and also, I think, like, the legacy games, I really haven't gotten the vibe that they're super immersive from my perspective. I don't know. Maybe I should try them before I talk smack about them. Yeah, I got Charterstone sitting on my shelf just waiting for us to play. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I've wanted to play that game with just kind of haven't got to it so maybe after yeah, this same. is over we'll see right right all right so that was some games that we've played so up next is some games that we're looking forward to all right so games looking forward to I am looking forward to possibly getting back into normal, so to speak, board games. Uh, someone messaged yesterday in the chat that we have in the, our kind of extended group that we haven't played a board game in a couple of weeks. Which I saw that. He's like, yeah, he's like, are we going to yeah. play something that's like, not Gloomhaven? Are you guys playing games? <laughs> 
<laughs> so like, uh, and uh, my reply was actually, uh, uh, unf- uh, oddly enough, I actually would rather play Gloomhaven. <laughs> so, so it was so different. But yeah, I'm, I've been thinking about, I've been playing a lot of Gloomhaven. And yeah, I was actually really addicted for a week. I think it's starting to kind of wane off to where I'm open to playing a different game once in a while. Uh, the funny thing is, we were talking about it yesterday. Uh, we're thinking about maybe with our Gloomhaven group actually going back to playing founders of Gloomhaven because there's a cross promo and we thought it was funny and stupid. And it probably is actually very inconsequential, but you can add a city event to the Gloomhaven game after playing founders of Gloomhaven. So uh, we were talking about before being done with Gloomhaven in a way we should probably go back to Founders and replay it for that reason. Uh, Founders is kind of a very different game from Gloomhaven. It's a very sub- hardcore supply supply chain business simulation. Um, so uh, it kind of fell flat for a lot of Gloomhaven people who like excitement and just kind of co-op stuff. It's very confrontational and it's just weird. Uh, yeah, so the name was almost looking, name was huh? almost a disservice to it, right? It was supposed to be like almost a selling point, but yeah, people no, expected I think something it works different. Very well, if you're a board gamer like us, so we're like the perfect audience for this combo. But a lot of people who are into RPGs are not into splatter like business hardcore cutthroat simulations of supply chains and kind of spatial dynamics on the board so it was kind of a miss for a lot of people for us it's not though i really like founders of gloomhaven the other game that i'm looking forward to is uh, we're just talking about forge war which is isaac's childress's earlier game so he made forge war and then he made gloomhaven i think it was right before gloomhaven maybe uh forge war what i've heard about it is it's a bunch of mini games connected with each other and it's very someone described it as like overwrought or something just kind of complicated because there's a lot of moving parts which actually can be said said for the founders of gloomhaven as well so i don't think that's a negative for me i think i'm looking forward to playing it uh someone was really interested in forge war just because we've been playing isaac's games just to kind of see where where he came from um another game that i actually played like half a solo game of is uh circadian's first light uh it's made by sj mcdonald i think is his name he's a guy who jumped into co-design with shem phillips uh for the uh what are they called gosh um his series of games, North Sea, North Sea games, or whatever. This, uh, this Viscounts of the, I can't remember what they are. Anyway, uh, he's he's a co-designer with him. Raiders of the North Sea. Yeah, yeah. Um, North Sea. He was then actually like West alone Kingdom. with Raiders, and then he came in for Architects. I think Architects of the West Kingdom. West Kingdom. Yeah. That's that's what I, that's what it was. Uh, so Circadian's First Light is a game just by S. J. McDonald. It's kind of a dice placement game and it actually looks really good i have really kind of good initial impressions of maybe it's going to be a really cool game because i've been looking for like a cool dice placement game which just works very well and i don't know i need to play alien frontiers i think is one where it looks promising as well but circadian's first light is this kind of resource conversion engine building game with a lot of dice placement um and it just looks really cool, kind of like a sci-fi theme. So that I was looking forward to that. Um, 
we're going to talk about uh, gimmicky games later on. There's a few gimmicky games that I've wanted to play, and actually playing them online is pretty much impossible because the gimmicks are uh, physical in them. But I'm looking forward to someday playing via Appia, if I can find a physical copy somewhere, or maybe at Saltcon if they have one. It's a game with a rake, so you rake discs. There's a mechanic where you rake like discs on to the, they fall off this rake mechanism, and whatever falls off, I think you get, and you're building a road to Rome. I think that's what the app is, like a road from somewhere to Rome. Uh, so the gimmick is the rake. So people have had very mixed opinions. Some people kind of really don't like it. Some people think it's okay. It's kind of kind of a lighter game, but I've been very curious about it. So via Appia, I've been I've regretted another game which I've regretted to not have bought when it was available is Safranito. It's a game where you toss discs on a board to attempt to trade with other people. So it's like a dexterity game with trading. So you toss discs on a marketplace, and I think if you're touching a certain resource, you can trade it or something. Um, and then you trade. That's kind of like pit with a dexterity element to it, which sounds really cool. I wish I had bought this game. It's pretty much impossible to find even at an inflated price, I think. Um, it's just like not there. It completely disappeared. So that's Safranito. Another game which I think, Brandon, you've played is Dungeon Fighter, where I've been very interested. It's a game where, again, it's a board game kind of with a dexterity element. Uh, when you, It's a dungeon crawler or something, and when you hit, you try to toss things on a target mm-hmm. and the closer you are to the middle the more damage you deal uh did you have you played it brandon no no I, w- I was interested at one point and i think that's where uh, i was talking to you about it talking to you about maybe uh, getting it and yeah i found it very interesting too but uh no yeah, i have not played it's it. a very fascinating concept i just don't know if it works a lot of the gimmicky games like that they're like it either works or it doesn't and sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't and it's kind of hard to predict actually with them it's going to work for me. But anyway, that's uh, the games I'm looking forward to playing. Dungeon Fighter seemed like it had a lot of expansions come out, so I wonder if it was very popular, if a lot of people liked it. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe they're just making expansions because it's cheap. Or, yeah. uh, to, actually, some I feel, I feel like some people make expansions to like push the base game. It's like, cool, look how oh, many expansions yeah. we have. Yep. It's probably you can play the game in so many ways. Yeah, it's, it's a yellow game, and those for me have been either like a miss or a hit for me like nothing kind of in between um so the last couple weeks i've just been like building these models and painting them and like reading the rules to make sure i understand it and that's not very like me i'm very much um uh, always surrounded by board game news and looking into it and some of that is because I, i work at a board game store but i'm not working at the moment so um all of that has been kind of off my radar but then the minute i I looked into what was coming out. It all flooded back to me, you know? And then I'm like, I've spent too much on Marvel Crisis Protocol. I need to save some money for these games coming out. Uh, So that's good to know that it's going to, you know, once we return to normalcy, like uh, I'm still going to, that hobby is still waiting for me there, you know, waiting to suck money out of me still. So um, (laughs) The Magnificent is finally out in the States. And that's that's a a game by the same designers of um, Santa Maria, which was kind of one that kind of came and went. Not too many people cared about it too much, but I, I really enjoy Santa Maria. And with the expansion that adds all these modules to it, I feel like it like makes it a complete game. So I really enjoyed Santa Maria. And I'm looking forward very much to The Magnificent. I need to look more into it before I purchase it, but I would really like to just try it. Um, 
Also, um, the Exit Series games ha- are coming out with three new ones. One is called the Stormy Flight. Um, and I have down here the the difficulty level of some of them because for me that matters a lot. Um, this one is a two out of five. So less excited about it because the twos to me have just been kind of felt more like arts and crafts because the puzzles are so easy in it. Still fun yep. and still thematic, but just kind of you just blow through them really quickly. Um, another one that's two out of five is the Enchanted Forest. But the one I'm really looking forward to is the Cemetery of the Night. Um, night spelled with a K, so like medieval night. And that's a three out of five. And I found that the threes are pretty decent. The three and a half, I feel like, is the sweet spot for these exit games. They're not too hard. They're not too easy. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to those exit series games. I thought I was over them, but it's been a while since I played them. So, like, now I'm like I'm ready to jump back into them. So, yeah, really looking forward to the exit series games. And that's it, really. Like, there's a whole bunch other ones but i i didn't know exactly how they work so yeah yeah no magnificence has actually been on my radar so it's really cool that it's out if we were out in stores physically i probably probably would have played it already i'm looking forward to it as well correct yeah Yeah. i think matt and i are definitely buying that one is it actually out in game stores now uh i don't know Uh, i looked on cool stuff inc and i'm sure the other board game stores have it as well I'm sure yeah, we yeah. can call and if, find out. Yeah, if cool stuff probably ha- it has it, it, others probably do as well. Yeah, you and Matt enjoyed Santa Maria as well, right, Justine? Yes, a yeah. whole bunch. So yeah, we're definitely that's on our list to buy. I enjoyed it highly, but I kind of see it as almost like a proof of concept prototype, or in some way, I don't know. It's weird. Feel like it needs needed to be like just a little bit more, uh, maybe developed or just kind of maybe a different theme would have helped with that game actually so you're talking more about the the components rather than the mechanics uh maybe the components and no the mechanics work well it's just kind of a weird game it works but it's like the theme doesn't make any sense and i don't make think any theme will theme will make sense with the mechanics because you're like sliding dice along a path i don't know i, I it just kind of is a weird game so i'm i'm looking forward to them doing something more kind of just the next level basically yeah yeah I've All seen right. pictures of it and it's beautiful. Uh the magnificent? The magnificent yes. does look better than Santa Maria. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Yeah, Santa Maria, the 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 components and the resources and the boards um do look it it's very minimalistic, just kind of plain. But uh yeah. but I don't yeah. mind. I, I like the gameplay Play a lot. Part. And with the expansion, I just like it really uh put it up there for me. Definitely. All right, well, that was some games that we're looking forward to. Now we'll get into our top three gimmick games that actually work. Risto, what's a gimmick game? Uh, I actually looked up the definition of a gimmick, and it's something that is specifically negative, actually. Um, let me actually read it because I can't remember. It's it's something that encourages you to buy a product based on a claim which is not true, I think, or something, or just something that like looks interesting. That's <laughs> was that a bad definition or what? Uh, yeah, I think that I think that most people don't know the actual definition because there's like a whole genre of music like gimmick bands. Um, oh, okay. Like Guar, you know, like Guar isn't like offering something that isn't there well maybe they are they're not really aliens so 
Okay, well, what uh, the word I was trying to find is uh, of of little or no intrinsic value. So I have a dictionary here, an innovative idea or stratagem that is used to attract attract attention or business, but has little or no intrinsic value. So, like specifically, uh, sup supposedly the one, well, one of the definitions. There's actually a lot of different variants here, but. Um, I was surprised that it's like specifically negative, obviously, You're like a significant feature that is obscured, misrepresented, or not really readily evident, a catch. Actually, that's probably more the, in the way that I think of a gimmick is kind of a catch, something that just like grabs your attention. Yeah, what I thought about it with games is like something that uh, that um, is attracting you to the game, like a selling point that isn't necessary. Yeah. Uh, when I was making the list, I was thinking about just weird stuff, man. Just <laughs> things that you kind of haven't seen before in games. Something that's like surprising might be usually mechanics for me, uh, but it could be like art or just maybe making a Pentagon board or something, you know, just something that's like out there. Yeah. Justine had a good point with this topic. Yeah. So as I was making my list, I had a hard time with it. Because to me, like everything starts out as a gimmick. And if it's a good gimmick, it becomes a mechanic. So like my first draft of my list had things on it like Aura at Labora um, by Rosenberg because of the use of the, we the resource wheel. That's something that is interesting um, and different but it kind of became a thing in other games. It's not very common, but it kind of became a mechanic in other games. It's something you can point back to. Um, same thing with like a rondelle wheel um, in a lot of like Matt Gertz's games. Again, it's become kind of a thing that a lot of games use, but I'm sure when it first came out, it was sort of seen as a gimmick. So to me, it's difficult to decide where the gimmick is and where a mechanic is. Yeah, like deck building, for example, that that kind of was uh, almost a gimmick. Like it's a this is a new thing. It's deck building, and then now it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, I guess some of my some of my list could fall under that category of maybe it could become a permanent mechanic. Actually, one kind of has, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. It's an interesting point. Uh, should we get into it? Let's get yeah, into let's it. let's get into it. Number three. So my number three is one that I think we can all agree is definitely a gimmick. Um, okay, so this is something I really want to see work, and it's Mystery House um, oh, yeah. is the game. So in Mystery House, it's kind of like an exit game in that it's co-op, it's puzzle solving. However, instead of a book that we are cutting apart or a deck of cards like an unlock, you actually take a deck of cards and you slide it into a house in a grid pattern. And it's a big cardboard house. And then you look through the windows and the doors to find clues. So it's kind of like walking through a mystery house, like a haunted mansion. Um, so far, there's only two scenarios that I'm aware of. I don't think it took off, but I think the whole concept of it is really neat. 
So I guess I kind of cheated on this. It's not really a gimmick that works entirely. It's more of a gimmick I really want to work and I want to see get more traction. But yeah, my number three is Mystery House. Yeah, you know, the the gimmick does work. Um, the idea of it. I think all they had to do was make things brighter, you know, because ha- we had to like use flashlights and such to look in. And maybe that if if everybody has a flashlight, uh, maybe that would be cool. Maybe that's even more thematic. You're like in- inspecting this yeah. uh, house with a flashlight. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that they had a great idea. They didn't execute it quite well enough. But I think the gimmick was a great idea. And I- I'm glad you included it on the list because yeah. um, I do want to try the second scenario because we played scenario one i know we keep forgetting yeah and i wonder i actually really wanted to play it when we played scenario one i was really curious how how it's how it's gonna work yeah and you know the expansions for it could be simply just a deck of cards they can make it really cheap like you buy the base game almost like a system and then they just like sell you just decks of cards with the scenario so it's like in in theory this game could work really well yeah I was mentioning it with the use of flashlights. I think it's definitely the way to play the game. I think should not yeah. uh, do it without flashlight. We should arrange it so everyone has a portable flashlight. They were even selling flashlights at the convention when the game was where the game was introduced. I think. Oh, so is that it's right? Kind of, pretty much, kind of required. They kind of think, intended to have for a that good to time with that game. Yeah. I yeah. think one. Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. go ahead. I think one of the things I like about that game as opposed to other unlocks is with unlock or exit, you're kind of working on like one puzzle at a time and you're only really like, it's hard to play those games with more than two or three people. I feel like because you're constantly like, Oh, can I see that? And if I'm looking at a card, nobody else can really see it. Or if I'm looking at something, if I want to get a close look, I have to pick it up. However, in this game, since it's a house with windows on all four sides, you can easily play it with four people. Everybody can be looking in the windows at their side. I think the only real annoying thing is when you have to like turn the house. But yeah. Yeah, you, we stacked it up on other board game boxes. So it's like kind of at yeah. eye level. So we're not like bending down. So that would be another suggestion while playing this game. Yeah, I liked that game a lot. For to me, it just kind of doesn't have enough game, so to speak, to really make it. But it worked. I think the gimmick actually worked. Agreed. Agreed. So that's Mystery House. All right. Uh, my number three is actually a game which uh, is not so much of a gimmick. The gimmick part of it is kind of the uh, role-playing aspect of it. Uh, the game is Meeple Circus, and it's kind of a stacking game. It's pretty much straightforward stacking game. I did not expect to appreciate the kind of aspect of performing with that game, which I think works really well. So what the game is, is you're uh, really playing this dexterity stacking game of meeples and animals in your uh, putting together a circus performance. I thought I was going to just kind of feel about it the same way as really any stacking game, which is just kind of stack and it's fun. And I like stacking games a lot. But what really kind of surprised me was that the role-playing aspect of there's an app and, and you 
have to do certain things. There's also a round where you have to do an individual performance where it's timed and there's like si- sound effects that happen. You have to like get up and bow and whatever and just like do this these like silly things. Uh, that actually, I think, worked really well in that game, surprisingly well. And it kind of pushed the game into just kind of uh, me liking it more than I thought I was going to like it and very kind of pleasant surprise. So kind of a my game's a little bit of a cop-out, except maybe number one, but uh, the role-playing aspect of Meeple Circus was surprisingly cool. So yeah. that's my number three, Meeple Circus. Yeah, the app is actually works really well. Um, it's just music, basically. Like, you just... you. You all you need is a is a timer for most of yeah. the rounds, but, um, no, I, but I think music definitely brings the atmosphere, and yeah, yeah. it would not be the same as a timer. The timer would be just kind of boring in comparison, exactly. and the yeah. game would lose a lot of its shine. Yeah, and there's several different songs to choose from, so you don't get tired of the same one over and over again. But the, then when you do the solo performances, you absolutely need the app. You absolutely need the music because of what Risto was saying. There's cues. You know, there's applause or splashes. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one. Uh, my number three is like the perfect example of what Justine was talking about. It's Custom Heroes, which uses the card crafting system. So I think the card crafting system in itself that was used for like Mystic Veil vale and most recently Edge of Darkness, um, I think that it is sort of this gimmick of like, look, it comes with card sleeves and then it comes with clear cards that you could slide into these card sleeves to manipulate the cards. That feels like a gimmick, but they're really pushing for it to be this new system, this new mechanic. Um, Custom Heroes is a, a very basic climbing game, uh, climbing and shedding. However, you can change your cards with these sleeves that you can get Um actually little inserts to the sleeves that changes your card to be higher or have certain effects on it. And it's uh, it's really cool. It has this like um, anime style art. And when you slide in the card to change the number, it also might add a weapon into the player's hand or like put sunglasses on them. So uh, that's that's very f- a fun gimmick. And this works because, you know, in um uh, climbing games you just might be stuck with the hand you have and in this point you could um you could alter the cards and so i thought that worked really well and i actually really like the game too and that's uh, my number three custom heroes i need to play that again i i kind of enjoyed it um i wasn't too super huge on i don't know uh so certain aspects of the game i think worked better than the others as far as like balancing but the game is really unique though that's for sure have you played this yet justine i've not it sounds really interesting i'm actually quite intrigued yeah i liked it better than mystic veil vale. I-, I wasn't so hot on mystic veil vale. i know a lot of people like it but yeah. uh the deck building I didn't like uh, spe- uh, mystic veil vale that much yeah I have a very funny memory of of custom heroes. We were teaching our friend who had moved away. Now he lives in LA, but I was teaching him and the entire teach. He was just sitting there frowning, like angrily (laughs) frowning. And I'm like, man, he doesn't like this. He's not going to like this game. And then when I got done with the teach, I looked up and he was sleeping. He was just (laughs) flat asleep. And then, uh, Oh, and, that's then, funny. and then he woke up and started playing with us and was like this game's awesome and i was like oh i thought i thought it was boring you he's like no i'm just really tired from work so. <laughs> that's hilarious number two 
So my number two is a game I discovered uh, at SaltCon recently, and that is Burano. Um, so the gimmick in this game is you choose actions. So it's kind of an action selection game, but how you choose them is you have these wooden blocks of certain colors. There's six colors. And before the round starts, you build a pyramid. So the bottom layer has a three by three square with these blocks, then a two by two, and then just a single block. Um, so as you're building your pyramid, you're choosing sort of the order of the actions that you're going to take. Um, the piece on top, obviously, you have to pick first, but then you have a choice of four. And then as you uncover, you get more choices. Um, I've played this game a couple of times since SaltCon, and I just think this gimmick really works. It does say in the rulebook that you should have a time limit on how long it takes you to build your pyramid, especially if you're playing with overly AP players. And I highly agree with that. You can spend 30 minutes building your pyramid and trying to minimax your turn. But um, I, I think that kind of takes away from the game. But it's a very fun, um, interesting puzzle to try and figure out what actions you need to take and what colors. And then, of course, the actions you don't take throughout the round, are you're left with these cubes, and those become parts of the cubes or parts of your next pyramid that you're going to build. So it's a very interesting puzzle to try and solve. Um, yeah, I liked Burano, actually. Uh, it was a fun time at Saltcom playing it. It's a little bit weird, very weird game because of uh, Emperor S4, and I think, which is actually kind of good about it. I like unique games like that. Uh, so my number two is um, another kind of not so strong of a gimmick game, but to me it's gimmicky enough. And the gimmick thing about it is I think the sense of humor. Uh, it's Space Alert. Uh, so Space Alert is by CGE, and they always try to make their games kind of funny and amusing. And yes, it's funny while reading the rulebook, uh, but then they kind of end up playing like what they are, which is usually these kind of hardcore Euro games. And it is fun to think about the theme that way, and it adds to the enjoyment of the game. Um, but to me, you kind of really is just kind of playing like a, a, a board game, a Euro board game. This one, the the theme actually comes across very well. Uh, the theme is basically that you're these like incompetent uh, soldiers or whatever people running a spaceship, and you're kind of running around trying to hit different systems, and they're very simplified because you're just so dumb. And the the, the that uh, kind of comedic uh, aspect to the game comes across very well in the actual game because it's a real-time game and you program cards and then you actually play them out at the end and what you were intending to do sometimes is hilariously wrong and off and you're just kind of bumping into each other and blocking each other and there's a lot of just confusion and I think it kind of elevates the game a little bit more. Um, there's some real-time games that I've played where the theme kind of doesn't come across. I think Magic Maze is actually pretty strong in that uh, sense, but uh, Fuse, you're supposed to be defusing bombs, who cares? You just roll dice and match symbols. There's just some games where like it kind of it works, but I think in Space Earth it literally, really kind of, again, like the theme for me was the gimmick. It kind of takes the game to a higher level than 
uh, what it would have been without that cool theme uh, for me at least so that's my number two space alert yeah i need to try this I, i've been yeah wanting to try this game for a while Okay, uh, my number two is Noria. Noria is a 2017 game by Sophia Wagner. It was her first game. And this, uh, the the gimmick here is the wheel building. So that's what they call it, a wheel building game. And you have these like three tiers of these spinning wheels that spin uh, independently of each other. And you can put in little tokens on these, and those are going to be your actions. And some will generate resources, or some will let you do certain things in the game, like actions. And you will turn these these wheels every round, and they'll line up in different ways. And uh, there's certain uh, things you could do, too, to switch two of them, or knock one out and replace it and whatnot. But uh, I found this game to be like the wheel was definitely a gimmick it was like this is wheel building this is this new thing and it looks really cool and it's just this plastic thing that you put this these cardboard inserts onto and it spins and it works really well but i found the game like really cool man i just really enjoyed it uh that's that's why it's my number two noria i bought this game a while ago and i really want to get a chance to play it i'm hoping to get a chance to play it while we're stuck at home yeah this game will work perfectly fine i think at two players yeah i think it's a great two-player game actually you could probably do it just fine uh i played that game with brandon a couple of times i liked it it was a little bit just yeah i don't know the it feels kind of ah, that the game is almost kind of too short for what it's trying to do in a way but then it feels long in a way because you're kind of doing this build up it's a weird game. I don't know. I'm not sure if I liked it. There's kind of somewhere in the middle for me. Gotcha. Number one. My number one is Kitchen Rush. It's another game I discovered at SaltCon. Um, so this game's gimmick is uh, it's a real-time game, which isn't new. But your workers are actually sand timers. So you um, place a worker by actually flipping your sand timer over and letting it run. You cannot pick that sand timer up until the time is up. So not only do you have four-minute rounds, but you also have workers that are working for a certain amount of time. Um, I think this gimmick works really well. I'm really interested to see what other implementations of this we'll see later on um i went into this game not expecting a lot honestly i kind of just tried it at salt con is like eh, it might be fun for a few minutes but it ended up being hilarious matt and i have had so much fun playing it um since we've been stuck at home it usually ends up in us just laughing it's pure chaos um so it's it's a really fun, interesting gimmick for a game to have your workers actually be stuck in a spot for a certain amount of time. So that is Kitchen Rush. I will satisfy your curiosity. The next one is called Rush MD. So it's uh, it's by the same designers and it's the same system. 
but it is uh, your doctors trying to save lives. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Sounds the, about right. The rush system. <laughs> yeah, the rush system. Um, kitchen rush sounded okay. And then when you guys explained it to me, um, I like really wanted to play it. And then I, I saw that Rush MD was coming out. So like I'm, I'm going to probably get that one because I, I, I like the theme a little bit better. Um, maybe yeah. right now it's a little too uh two on the nose with our situation but um it looks really cool and maybe they've uh done some different things in it but i, I want to play both very 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 much yeah i wanted to say something about it it feels like a re-implementation i almost not i'm not sure if it was an app previously on a phone it feels like one of those games where there was a trend of games where you just like click on stuff basically and that's all the game is it's like uh, they used to be usually running a fast food restaurant or something or whatever, uh, where you just like have to seat customers and then deliver food to them and then pick up the plates and then wash the plates. So it's like basically just like a timed clicking game. You just click all yeah. over the place to pick up stuff to serve people. And it's kind of m madness and fun. And I think that comes across very well, actually, in Kitchen Rush. It's a very well designed kind of uh, the real time aspect is very well integrated. Yeah, you I do. Know, I hadn't made that connection, but you're completely right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, I do yeah. like the idea of sand timers in in games used this way as like pawns. Um, there wasn't there a GIF series game that had sand timers in it. Do you guys? Remember? Yes, it's actually the they refer it to uh, to refer to it as the redheaded stepchild or something uh, of the GIF series. It's called Tomsk. And it's actually kind of been expelled from the GIF series oh. because of its real-time nature. The complaints uh, when it came out was that the sand timers were kind of inconsistent, sometimes like very inconsistent, like 23 seconds to 30. They're supposed to be 30. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of like doesn't fit into like the abstract thinky way of the other games. Right. It's this weird real-time abstract game where it's just like really weird. So it's officially not part of the GIF series, but but it's wow. also kind of rare, actually. I've been trying to kind of see if it pops up randomly somewhere so I can buy it. But also, I think the sand timers like wear out or something, and you have to replace them, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure if I'm going to have that issue. I think you have to play it a lot. But it's a weird game. It's Tomsk. Yeah, and I guess in Kitchen Rush, if some of the sand timers are inconsistent, it, it being a co-op game, I guess that's not that big of a deal. But um, somebody that's going to play an abstract game wants everything very precise, so I could see that yeah, being a huge yeah. deal. That's yeah. why people were kind of like, "This is not, this right. is not in the Gip series." Yeah, yeah. My number one is actually Tolkien, and uh, I think that's like pretty much the perfect gimmick game because. It's kind of just really good. Uh, one of my favorite games of all time, and it's all about these gears which are interlocked with each other, and they're interlocked with the main gear. What it kind of amounts to is a timing mechanism where it just kind of pushes everything up by one along these tracks. So you can imagine five tracks and everything just getting pushed up by one at the end of every round. Um, however, the gears accomplish that very well, and it works just really well. And the game is amazing as far as design and just enjoyment and depth. A uh, really cool game. Actually, the funny thing about it is we were thinking about maybe trying it on tabletop simulator or someone was just curious or something. And we loaded up the mods 
and we were like, what the heck is this? We were actually, we were curious about how they implemented the wheels because the wheels are super complicated to implement in like a physics simulator. So what they did was the game looks completely different and there's just five tracks. <laughs> so they made the oh, wheels like linear. So it's like the game is literally five tracks. That's that's the board. And I think what uh, there's either a script or you're supposed to just pick up everything and move it up by one, which is really easy with tabletop because you can highlight things and just like move, push them up by one. But I was like, well, that's an interesting way of just undoing the wheels. So imagine like Tolkien, but without wheels and just five like lines of things. Uh, and that's that's what the game is I think it actually kind of takes away from the game I mean it gets the point across that they're just five lines connected with each other that just push up but I think it's like a lot of fun to kind of rotate the wheels at the end of every round Um, Mm -hmm. it is a very serious game though it's very deep kind of euro so you're not going to be like uh, Fonzie spinning the wheels around Uh, all the game is is the large wheel in the middle takes one full revolution that's the entire game and they just click once around so if you're looking for like a spin the wheel kind of a spinner game or something that is not Tolkien but it's a really cool game Uh, so that's number one perfect example of a gimmick which actually like adds to the game and is fun yeah this is an honorable mention of mine it, it kept going on and off my list uh um i do like zolk in the mind calendar quite a bit and i think the gimmick works perfectly however it's like so chess like to me uh so dry but um yes. But it's good. It's a good game. I just need to play it more. The first time I played it was with Freesto, and uh, I just like felt like I was just like scrambling around, not knowing what I was doing. So I need to definitely play it again. The game is very scrambly and very punishing, but I kind of mm-hmm. like that about it. I sure. really like Zulking. I would. I'm gonna say it's an honorable mention, but I think if I had thought about it more than just this minute, it probably would have made my list. It's a really good game. Uh, so my number one is Alchemists, um, also CGE, speaking of. And the gimmick here is basically the app and just the theme. Like, it's it's a game where you're you're like trying you're mixing potions, but you're trying to fill, figure out the elements which are which contain these potions. And you have um, ingredients like a like a feather or a frog or whatever, like um, stuff you put in like a an alchemist like a pot, cauldron, right? And um, it has these really cool like 3D um, upright player boards that have a pyramid on it that you're sticking little little tokens in to logically um, try to figure out what's in these ingredients. And it even has a little place for an ingredient card to go. Um, and you scan it and it, te- it gives you some colors and you kind of jot down the colors. So this to me is a gimmick that worked really well, which I had a lot of high hopes in because of the publisher in particular, but was very curious on how it would actually work. And once we played it, and we played it a few times, actually my wife and I played it two nights in a row. We liked it so much. And then we played it with the gaming group and uh, it's it was a huge hit. It's a it's a worker placement game um, to do certain actions, but the, the real heart of the game is this logic deduction thing. So that's why yeah. it's my number one, Alchemists. 
No, actually, I was going to say that's a really excellent example of just a gimmick which works really well. The gimmick is almost like the scientific method, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. The, that's the gimmick of the game is it's simulating kind of experiments and finding the like where you go in first, at, firstly, randomly, so completely not knowing what the crap is going to come out. And then you like refine your theory as it goes on. And it's like perfect. Yeah, as far as like gimmicks go, because... It were it's very the theme comes across just amazingly well. Uh, it's almost like a weird game where the entire game is almost guessing in a way, which is kind of weird about that game. But it works really well. Yeah, it's a great game. I love Alchemists. All right, some some honorable mentions. Um, I would say Lords of Hellas, mainly just the um, the statues. You know, that was like a huge gimmick. Like there's these huge minis that you build up their monuments and uh that's really the only gimmick in it but it is a really cool presence on the board also camel up the uh the the, the pyramid um before it was like this cardboard thing now it's a plastic thing where you press a button and they drop out um you need to in in camel up you need to randomly draw a colored dice and roll it so you could have easily had a bag for this and you could have just reached in the bag and 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 done it but but this just makes it a lot more fun to press the pyramid and and it, it the whole thing it's like a there's like a pop out that comes out of the board, like some palm trees by an oasis. And then the, the pyramid on the board at all is very much gimmicky. It could have just been a bag and dice, but I think it adds to the game. And that's why I would want to mention it and camel up. I would say even the stacking of the camels is a gimmick kind of, Oh yeah. It's really well. It's yeah, the camel kind of cheesy and like, yeah, just stacking your camels on top of each other and they move, you know, like the if the bottom one moves, they all move. It's kind of funny and amusing and it works and it's kind of gimmick because I don't think I've seen it in any other games really. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's like a game full of gimmicks, but they all work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, oh, uh, are there any other honorable mentions, Brandon? Nope, that's it. Um, I was going to say, I have some really strong gimmicky uh, games. Uh, however, the ca- uh, caveat is, I think they work, but they get old. Um, the ones that I'm going to mention, they're like really strong. Uh, Clip Cut Parks, that's like the perfect gimmick game. Mm-hmm. When I saw it, I was like, cut, uh, what is it? Uh, roll and cut. Roll and roll and cut. cut. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, roll and cut. It's like, this just sounds ridiculous, and it also <laughs> sounds really dumb, but it was actually really good uh the reason it's probably not a top game for me is i feel like the game will probably get old um after like three or four plays the novelty will wear out and then it just kind of becomes a small game still a very very fun game like a quick pickup uh game which turns into like a brain melt uh maybe in some situations so that's pretty strong on the gimmick which actually works uh clip cut parks uh tokyo highway an abstract game with like a 3d aspect of it that was pretty cool i'm not sure if i like the game as much but the experience altogether was very interesting and just kind of like unique i think they did a game with a pendulum hanging from the ceiling i'm not sure if it's the same people or it just reminds me of the same Mm kind of style of gameplay uh i'm looking forward to trying that one i haven't uh tried it yet the whole game was basically you're trying to like swing the pendulum between these different things on the table so i like experimental games like that where people try to push 
random weirdness out of the, into games. Uh, and speaking of random weirdness, Riff Raff is actually pretty gimmicky. It's kind of a pendulum game, but the other way. It's not hanging from the ceiling. It's hanging underneath a ship, which represents... And then it, you're stacking. It's a stacking game, but you're not stacking on the table, which is usually what happens. You're stacking on a, on a ship, which is connected to a counterweight underneath the ship so the heavier the ship gets the more kind of it starts swinging left and right representing the ship getting loaded with cargo and uh whatever um again i'm not sure how much like depth that game was it was really fun like really really fun for a couple of plays um i still will play it but it's kind of like just doesn't have depth i think it's just a dexterity stacking game really kind of very simple the gimmick is definitely the pendulum and the rocking ship which, which works really well i'd say flip ships actually was a really strong contender for me as well um I still think it's the only game which I can think of, which is like a kind of a coin flipping game. I mean, it's really flicking, but it's like you're flipping a coin, which I would like actually for another game to come out with uh, flipping coins or whatever, like thumb thumb flipping, you know what I mean? I was thinking also about like tumbling dice, and there's a lot of dexterity games which feel very gimmicky because that's all they are is like kind of a gimmick. So unless they're like stacking or whatever or um, flicking, they're usually just weird and that mm-hmm. makes them seem very gimmicky but i didn't put any of them on my list just because i think they're just a little too out there yeah tokyo highway was interesting to me because it was like a dexterity it's like an abstract dexterity game because yeah. like the mechanics of it um how you get points is kind of a, a an abstract kind of thing but um you definitely need yeah. some dexterity to to be able to play it well there used to be a, a lot of like connection games where you're trying to connect one side of the board to the other through paths, and that's kind of what it feels like. It's some kind of a connection game, but you're not connecting, you're overlapping. Yeah. So it's like a line overlap game. It's weird. But the gimmick in it is it's like a 3D, and like you say, there's a weird dexterity element to it, which I'm not sure if it worked, but it was definitely just unique. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Justine, do you have any honorable mentions? Um, I, I don't have any honorable mentions of my own, but I was going to piggyback on what Haristo said about clip cut parks. I think I had totally forgotten about that game until now, but I think I'm definitely going to make Matt play it. He hates that game. Um, <laughs> just because it is so funny to watch a bunch of grown adults hold a pair of like children's blunt edge scissors <laughs> and staring at this paper figuring out how to cut it in the right way without ruining their plans. I kid as a teacher, people, us adults look like kindergartners while we're trying to play that game. That's the exact same look kindergartners give as we're trying to teach them to like follow the line to cut. Oh, it's (laughs) comedy gold. I love that game. Well, as a teacher too, if you get tired of it, at least now you have scissors to bring to your class. Yeah. Well, like four, right? How how many players is, is it? It's too funny. Up to four. Okay. I mean, I'm sure you could do more than that, honestly. If oh, if you have more scissors, right? Cards there are, yeah, and scissors. Yeah. yeah. Anything else? Not for me. All right, so that's our show. Uh, I think our shortest one yet, but we will be back in a couple of weeks. We'd like to thank uh, Lindsay Hobbs for composing the theme you're hearing now, Kirsten Adams for designing our logo. Hey, if you want to check out some more art from Kirsten, we highly recommend that you go to her Instagram page, which is um, K 
Cat Coffee. That's K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E. And if you have any questions or comments for Cards and Cubes, you can email us at cardsandcubespodcast at gmail.com or very easily and simply go to our website, which is cardsandcubes.com. Cards and Cubes is a production of Pod Cauldron. Check out some other great podcasts from the Pod Cauldron Network, including Bub Club, a horror movie podcast, and Rabble, 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 a comedic look at current events. And thank you for listening once again. We will see you in a couple weeks. Bye.